So we are on Sales Leadership by Keith Rosen. Yep. We're on chapters four, five, and six today. We are. Um, we are really enjoying this. I'd like to start off today by saying, if Keith, you are listening, you will be pleased to know I have had two proper coaching interactions. I heard you using it, actually. Yeah, and I've really tried. Not with a salesperson as well. Yeah, with, with, with two different colleagues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got to say, Keith, you've really got me going here. Uh, Do you know, as much as anything, it's sometimes nice to have a different strategy. Yes. Great stuff. So as a result, I'm very enthusiastic about today. Chapter four is how to coach in 10 minutes or less. So what did you make of this one, Mike? My kind of chapter, really. I've got to say, I, I think that this is a bit more real world, isn't it? That's what we both like about the book. Yeah, but this is a bit more real world, even, even more. Um, and I don't know whether it's this chapter or another one where he talks about situational coaching. I, somebody phones you with a problem and it's not part of your weekly sit down. This is where you get stuck into it. But I mean, as you said a moment ago, what Keith talks about, a bit too long for my liking actually, but what Keith talks <laughs> about what Keith talks about for a while is, he said, if you're chief problem solver, you'll, all be chief, you'll always, always be chief problem solver. Agreed. And you'll never create any leverage, is what he's saying. Yeah. And he's saying, actually, if you teach people how to do it, you've got leverage. Because once they know how to do it, you don't have to tell them again. Yes, if you... And, and there's, I think there's one point where I think he uses... Got it in my head that there's the use. Here you go. It can make the difference between developing a mediocre team of dependent transactional order takers. That word dependency was like a real jack. I think it is for most sales managers, isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm always careful, actually. Anybody that's been interviewed by me will know this. I never actually ask the question I want the answer to. Yeah. So I always ask a different question to try and... Because I think if you ask a straight question when you're interviewing, you can easily get... Um, an interview answer. An edited answer. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I really want the real. That words. I really you want the real get... answer. But I think what what I will do is the way I'll probably do it is quite often the uh, candidates will have uh, a deal on their CV, won't they? So they say I sold a you know two hundred grand piece of software to Asda, yeah, or whatever. I'm going to ask in the same way that would do the salesperson what the sales manager's interaction was with the salesperson who closed that deal. It's... I think that's the way to understand it. Because I think if you're going to say to a client, to, to a candidate that you're interviewing, are you, are you chief problem solver or are you a coach? The candidates are all going to answer coach. Because that's the answer that they should give you. Because I think a part of it is, you know, without getting too off track, is that actually I find when I interview people, they're not consciously aware of how they do things. Yeah, well, particularly when you're getting people in sales leadership positions because they and it takes it into what you were saying just a minute ago that reading a book like this this is the first sales management book that we've read when you read a book it makes you more consciously aware of what you do which is how you change your style yes which is what happens. it takes you out of your unconscious competence and into conscious competence correct yeah. it takes you back around the curve again doesn't it yes absolutely but anyway so getting back to it you know he's got a very simple framework for his 60 second coaching question which I thought was great well i know that uh, and, and it, i really like it here's what you know i'm going to just for the for the for the for those viewing at home uh, i'm actually going to go through a couple of these bits okay because they're very very elegant um his scripting is very elegant he writes very well yeah really elegant so you know i'm happy to share my opinion with you tim however you're much closer to this customer and i trust you and your judgment so what's your opinion on how to handle this 
move forward, resolve this, land this account. Then, depending on how they answer and being mindful of the only three scenarios when coaching, follow up with, thank you for sharing your opinion. I really appreciate it. Let's walk through your ideas to see how this situation could play out. And then, if needed, refine it together to ensure your strategy. Brilliant. Yes, I absolutely agree. Really great that. And I've used that. I've used it today. And it was great and it worked. So I'm in. Um, and I have to say, you know, if you're a sales leader and you're listening to this, go out by the book. Um, if you if you follow Book Club, you'll know Mike and I don't extol overly enthusiastically about pretty critical, but we're not about this one. Um, so I, I really like that. The, and he breaks down each part of why he's saying why he's saying it. So, for example, the fact that he uses the word opinion. Oh, I was going to say that. Ask for an opinion, not a solution. Yes. He's very careful. He's very careful. Very written. careful. Because my kind of think of this guy because he's into very he's into very careful use of the of the precision usage, isn't it? Well, it says here, like surgical position, leaders must be mindful of the words they use. Yeah, absolutely. He's a one hundred percent right about Correct. that. Correct. I, I think that that little distinction is so subtle but very powerful. Really liked that. Um, ask for opinion, not a solution. Um, it, it, and he basically points out, even if somebody might not have an answer, they most certainly have an opinion because an opinion isn't right or wrong. Love that. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, I've just said I agree with it. I think the next bit that he talks about is impromptu, impromptu situational coaching. This is what I was talking to you about at the start of the book. Go on. Well, you know, so, so very often you've got um, a weekly slot to do some coaching. But that's not real life. Uh, well, also, so often how many people have got a, really got a weekly slot? To, more often than not, they've got a weekly slot to give somebody some shit about their pipeline. Yeah, and what the sales manager wants is somebody to call them when they've left their meeting. Tell me when you've left them, tell me how you get on with them. And then that's the space for coaching, isn't it? Whereas actually what Keith's done here is said you've got, it should ABC always be coaching. You've got situational coaching is as important as scheduled coaching. And that's the next bit that this goes on to. And I, I like that, actually. He talks what, about coach scheduling coaching. No, no, I, I, actually about the fact that coaching never stops. You know, if you're a sales leader and you're talking to salespeople, how often have you done it where you've heard a consultant in a room and you've given them some on-the-spot coaching when they've made a bad call? Christ, how many times have a I done it? billion times. How many times have I done it where they've been on the phone? That's what I mean, yeah. And I've heard what's been going on on the call and I've written down on a piece of paper what for, what for them to say what they need to say. Correct, yeah, 100%. You're like, like some mad football manager in his track. Well, that's what I mean about line. situational coaching. Keith's saying it's happening right now. Yeah. So we've got to act on it like now. And then he says that coaching never stops. And I always, I always think the golfing analogy is a good, good analogy, actually, because the golfers have constantly been coached on their swings yes. all the time to keep them in the right lines, basically. And that's what Keith's saying here. He's saying, doesn't matter how good you've got, you've got to keep getting coached to stay good. Yes. I, I like this bit about meetings. Well, page on. So we're on, I'm on 76 here. Okay. Your meetings suck. How managers facilitate influential, productive meetings? And he talks about the mundane meeting. And, you know, that's been a pain. I've been there. We've all been there and all sat in them. Jim, well, when I went to NEC, there was 13 or 14 sales guys in a hot room in Cambridge on a sunny afternoon. You were literally struggling to keep your eyes open. Oh, look, do you remember the Howard Jackson quarterly meeting? Oh, th th that was torture, wasn't it, really? I used to physically, actually physically feel unwell. Why? Because of the, the pressure? The, because of the pressure of those meetings. I always did so well, it didn't bother me. Well, I always did so well, it, but, but <laughs> uh, the pressure of them. Yes. Well, the, this is slightly different, though, isn't it? Because scrutiny. that. Because 
Well, because that was just a presentation of numbers, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was the scrutiny. The, the better analogy for you, actually, I think, is when Dave Shields or Steve Griffith used to go with you, followers with you. They didn't coach you, they directed you. Or when I used to go through stuff, I didn't get coached or directed, they shouted at me. You were just told. Yes. Yeah. What he's talking about, I think we run meetings even at RC, where you look at the meeting, and, and, and I remember you and I, as leaders, I remember once me and you ever, sitting down and having a cup of coffee and us saying, Christ, the quarterly meeting. Yeah, but that's the problem with the quarterly meeting, though, isn't it? Because all that is is the presentation of figures. That's not a coaching session. And in fairness to Keith, no. that's not what he's and referring to, actually. Correct. What, so what he's saying is, for example, a team meeting. So he, he talks, uh, he goes on later, I, I, he? I think he's talking about bid review, really. You're all right. I think that's analogously what he's talking about. Yeah. This is a bid review meeting, and he's got a situational bid review, hasn't he? So you create a strategy to close your client, and then you, you know, then no, he's, he's not. He's actually talking about team meetings. Yeah, but I think they're different because it, it, where you've got a team in the room, not yeah. a one-on-one -on -one coaching scenario. Yeah, but at some point, people have got to present the numbers in a sales meeting, haven't they? Yes. And that's boring, irrespective of how you do it. Yes. I'll tell you what I didn't like was this bit here about reset the expectations of your meetings. I just didn't like the way this was worded as a template. I'm committed to creating an environment that fosters trust, positive colour. Yeah, I hated that. And I guess put, this feels grovelly to me. And, and maybe my ego's getting in the way there because I don't colleagues. It's interesting. I put that later on. I put, at some point, I put um, that within a sales function, it's not actually a democracy. It's not a democracy. No. It's an autocracy. I've and Keith's uh, creating a bit of a democracy and here. let me tell you now, the most successful guy I know... He's famed for the like. Well, this is not a democracy. I'd like to remind you, this isn't a democracy. That's right, isn't he? Yeah. Incredibly successful guy, I believe. And I bet people like working for him. But uh, every now and then he explains to people this to me. It's, and, and you know, it's not a democracy. I started going off the book a little bit. What, the around more, this stuff? Well, this and the next chapter. Because the more I read it, the more I'm thinking to myself, it, it, we're now talking purely about team coaching and not about the fact that if I were a manager, I'm in charge. What? And at some point, the target stops with me, so the book stops with me. So we've got 45 questions here, haven't we? Oh, team, yeah. I mean. Team coaching questions to run worthwhile meetings. I did read them. We can't, given the time constraints we've got here, go into them in that much depth. But what I've got here, for me, is... And maybe this is us, Mike. Maybe we're egotistical idiots. But, Very probably. But, but for me, some of it is a bit... The word I'm going to use is subjugative. A little bit counter. Well, I use self-deprecating somewhere along yeah. the line. Because um, he writes another email, doesn't he? I think I've been doing a terrible job managing you. I'd like to introduce a new framework. I think, no, nah, I'm not going to say that. Because actually I looked at it from the perspective of the sales leaders that I work with. And well, I know I some pretty some successful. I think some teams would eat certain sales leaders alive. Yeah, I mean, I know and some. I think others would be very... I think it's situational, isn't it? I think there are some teams that would go, fair play, boss. All right, we're in. Mm. We like the fact you try to change your style and we want to support you. I think other managers would lose the dressing room if they walked in the dressing room and I've said... I've been managing you badly. I've been doing a shit job and I'm really sorry. they go, right, we're going... Yeah, they say, oh, right, okay, great. That's brilliant. What's this? Uh, new strategy of the week, is it? What's going to be next week? Yeah, and I did think... You just can't see that fit in some of our environments, particularly. But in some, it will, and there are some teams where the where the rapport and the relationship is good enough. Not many. For a leader, I think to it be was. A, I think Keith took a step too far, really. There, 
And I'm talking about the successful sales leaders that I place candidates with. I don't know any of them that would do that. And I also think that at some point, somebody has to be in charge. Yeah, somebody's there. That's what I'm point. Somebody carries so, the target. Somebody's the boss. And somebody says, right, I value your opinion and everything, but this is how we're doing it. Value your opinion, and I'm going to do your best to make this all about I won't about listen your, to you. And I'm going to do the, my best to make it all about your opinion, but at some point, if my opinion... Yeah, I'm in charge. Now, you know, Keith's going to come on the show, and maybe that's a good one to note. But I just think maybe it's a cultural thing. UK, I think, humble yourself too much, Jerry Springer style. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a little bit. For me, maybe that's a little bit California. There's a lot of the people, a lot of people that, that that you know, our clients, the hiring managers, they're alphas. I agree. They're not necessarily gruff and aggressive, but they're alphas. And the people that a lot of the people we work with are pack animals. Yes, and, if and they the alpha ends the alpha, up at the top. And if they think the alpha dog is weak, they will eat. Right. Although I asked him, and I think, come on, Keith, you're getting a bit left here now. It's not the council. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? It's not Leeds City Council. But I, but I, I thought I, that. I, I'm, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I, and I, yeah, it's just a little bit too coachy. I like his sentiment. Well, the other thing that he didn't do, actually, was but actually, he didn't actually give me a framework. You, could you walk into, could you sit down with your team and say, listen, guys, I want to make meetings a bit yeah, give me some feedback on what you want to go through. So I want a bit of feedback on what you want to go through. Here's what's going to happen. This means These meetings are going to be much more about you guys now. So uh, that's how it's going to be. And I need you guys to work harder now as to what mm, you guys mm, are going mm. to do to fix your problem. Here goes, let's try it. Whereas I think throwing yourself on the floor. So now I've been oh, doing a terrible, terrible job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought too much. Yeah, that, too much for me too. Too much for me too. Um, and then we've got uh, chapter five. Yes. Tools to manage your coaching process and assess results. Like this coaching prep form. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what I was talking to you about earlier, the coaching prep form. I think it's um, I think it's good. Yeah. Um, and he gives this analogy of the, this coachee. It, it, interestingly, I worked with a coach a few months ago. Okay. Who I fired. Just apropos nothing. And actually reading this really hit a spot for me. Because I was working with this coach... And there was some really good stuff came out of some of the coaching sessions. Very, very well respected in the NLP community. Got inside my head, worked through a few things. But on the, about the second session, I was like, boring me now. <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere with this. And this isn't really driving me forward. And actually, when I read this, I realized maybe actually what should have happened before that coaching call, much more tight agenda. Right. And a much more tight framework. You know what I mean? And I really liked the, the, the simplicity of the coach, the initial coaching prep form. To, you know, date, name, time and date of next meeting. One, achievement. What I've accomplished since our last meeting. Each wins, actions, insights, improved attitude, personal and professional. Two, focus of this session. I want to use my time with my coach to list specifics. Do you know, as I was reading this, do you know what I thought somebody should do? What? I thought somebody should incorporate that into a HCM system. Yeah, well, I, I actually... Really know, nice process. Well, we obviously it's use, IP. Um, we use a workflow system, don't we, here? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually thought when I read that, I'm going to create a workflow out of that. Yeah, really nice to make sure you keep stepping forwards and, you you know, you could gamify it a little bit. And, and his point is very bang on about coaching versus reviewing. Well, that's is my... That that, next, that, is that uh, the next chapter? I don't know, I but that's what I was referring to in terms of the sales meeting. Because I think, you know, we have these sales meetings where you put your numbers up. It's just a review on what you've done. There's no coaching. 
doesn't matter how you in create a meeting, you can never coach in that. It's just a review of your numbers, isn't it? Yeah. And if, well, if you do four of those a year, actually that's four working days. That's the best part of what? Two and a half percent. Well, that's of the, of every single, year. that's every single sales function in the world, isn't it? Yes. That's, that's just completely dead time. Yeah. You do the same as me, right? In which the underperformers feel sick and the overperformers yeah, exactly. swagger around. You know, you, you do the same as me. You, you know, you go out to meet a client, you stop for a brew, you walk, you walk through Costa, you see the laptops, because there's laptops there, and there's two people sat opposite a table looking at a spreadsheet. That is not a coaching session. No, it's just a... It's I've, just, just it's some a, guy I've giving met, somebody else I've shit. I've met you somewhere on the M6 to... To, to see how many to taps fear, you've sold. To put the fear of God into you about your pipeline. And yeah. the fact that you've yeah, got some yeah, yeah, industrial exactly. shower units. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. But that's exactly But it. then he's also, I think, he also... I think talks, Keith's right, by the way. Bang right. And he's also talking about a lot about actually things like quarterly, real performance reviews, you know, HR reviews. So you used to have that review. Uh, I've, I've had it where you'd have a, a review. And do you think people tell the truth in that scenario? In reviews? Mm. People get nothing out of them and the organisation thing out of them. I agree completely. Companies, oh. they do it, it goes in a HR file in a HCM system somewhere, the HR team have done their compliance bit, nobody gets any value. And what do you think about the fact that Keith now refers to himself as a, set, as a coach, not a sales manager? Well, we talked about this, didn't we, last week, about actually... I'm not fond of that, actually, I must say. Well, I'm a sales manager and I'm here to go through your... Uh, some coaching actions with what, you. All right. But it's a bit like, I don't know, uh, Leeds Rhinos have got Kevin Sinfield, he's director of rugby. Okay. And Dave Ferner is head coach. But it's slightly different, isn't it? No. So, hold How on a minute. Same? Kev claims he's the one that's responsible. He's director yeah, it's different of all you got, rugby you got, operations. Yeah, it's different because you've got two people. Right? But let's take a sales team. Like, you've got that client, you do you recently really good client know them well they've got the md and then they've got a sales director and they've got sales managers mm. and you've actually placed the sales manager there mm -hmm. his job is to get the best out of that team it is so he's the is he the sales manager or is he head coach should his job title be head coach xyz well it's a it's a moot point isn't it i think it should be sales manager I think at some point, you know, you've worked for companies, I've worked for companies, we don't anymore because we don't work for anybody, if you know what I mean. We've got, we've got no bosses. And I think actually a lot of the people that we work with want to be managed by somebody. And I think the word is managed. Well, okay, coached. so let's try this. As, and, and I'm just toying with this. Job titles to distinguish semantically the importance of actually being a sales coach. So how about team leader and head of team performance. You could do. I mean, that's the only way to do it but like he wants to do it. would people apply for those jobs? Uh, the ones that didn't want to carry a target, would you? Is that, uh, I mean, because I think if you're going to do that... I, I don't think anybody would apply for those jobs. Well, I think what you would get apply is you'd get... You know, so, so, so we both know somebody actually who's worked... You placed him in 1998 and his first name's Ian. Right. Who's just left a very big company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great bloke, right. great bloke. So he's looking for like a few days consultancy. Yeah. What a coach would he be? Well, Two days not. a week. Well, three days a week. Would he would he would he be chief problem solver or would he be a coach? Oh, I think you'd employ him as a coach. I think you'd take a retired salesperson, sales leader, whatever, and, and employ them as a coach. Your job is to coach. Your job is to shout at people. Your job is to manage, strategize, tell. Your job is actually 
So it's a bit like in football, they actually have coaching staff and the manager, don't they? Correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. Whereas actually Keith wants somebody to do both. So they have perhaps. a coach, or in the NFL, they have the quarterback coach, they have the running I back don't, coach. I don't watch that. Yeah, I don't watch that. No. Anyway, right. so... so and, then, and then he gets into executive coaching pre-prep call form, which is pretty lengthy and takes up several pages of the, of the chapter. And, and then he starts talking about, are you reviewing results performance, which I thought is very, very good distinction, isn't it? Results or performance? That's what we've been talking about. Yeah, That's absolutely. why I've been talking about it. Um, and, then the, and then the next document I really liked was his coaching action plan. Well, as a document, I wasn't that much in love with it, but I like the fact that it's a document. Yes, I think people need to write things down and do them. Yeah. Particularly if it's, uh, I'm going to do it. Great idea. Oh, yeah. Why, wow, boss, I've never thought of that before I've thought of it. Great. Brilliant. So you're going to do it then. That element of accountability. What is accountability? And you are cementing it in your own mind by writing it down to do it, yes, aren't you? Yes, the physical act of writing it down, in, mm, in, in, mm, in, in essence. Um, yeah. I'll, tell what, I'll tell you what has never failed to surprise me, and will continue to do so with salespeople, is a lot of people will agree to do things that actually when, they've come, when, they, when it comes to doing it, they wuss out, really. People wuss out. You get all these candidates that are full of bravado about handing the notice in and then they'll work three months. Yeah. But I'm sure that happens in a sales scenario. I'm going to ring this client and I'm going to tell him we're not going to stand for his, his suggested contract amendment. And I say, brilliant idea, Jonathan. And, and I'm going to tell him, I'm just going to explain to him. And then we speak in a that, week's that time. That the, the, the clause is uninsurable and that we can't get insurance and therefore we can't. And then me and you speak in a week's time. How do you call go? Well, not quite like I thought it would actually. You uh, washed yeah, out that's, be that, that's because actually well, you've right, got actually. a mealy-mouthed sales exec who has a tendency to mince his words at the final moment. Then as the coach, it's your job to get him to admit, well, actually, sometimes I will say what I really uh, want and, to And say. I thought this was a good, a good part of that. So here's the thought. Observe your people perform so that you can actually transform. And so forth. I really like what page it. you on here now? It's 95. I really like it when uh, I speak to clients who are out on the road with their salespeople. I think there's no way you can really coach somebody until you know how they act in that scenario. Well, I, I know one salesperson who is signing right now. Right now. Um, who claims that her boss has been to one meeting with her. And then her boss directs her, and her boss is directing her without. Direct. What does he do? Shout at her. Just shouts, just gives a shit. She's signing, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah. One meeting in two years. And that individual concerned is incredibly gleeful about that. Well, let's say, though, let's say um, that, that, that that sales manager was trying to coach that person. Yeah. How could he actually coach her if he can't see what she's like in front of the client? Has no idea. Because he has no he empathy, has no he has no empathy with how she operates. No. Has no idea what's going on. Never goes out with any of the... What does he do? Stays, sits, sits in the office. At Shouting at people. Looking at spreadsheets. Looking at spreadsheets, bitching about Salesforce hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But that's the point. I like it when they get out on the... And that's the end of the chapter, actually. Yes. Wow. And then we're into... Uh, I made an interesting comment here on... Uh, chapter six. So transforming critical conversations into positive change and measurable... Do you know what I put on this one? Because I, I always read the chapter and then I go back to the first page of the chapter and put a summary of what I thought of the chapter. Okay. And I thought, I thought this was an odd, an odd chapter. I thought it was good, but I get the feeling we've already covered most of it. Yeah, it didn't in take the rest me of the book. To read it. No. So, 
I'll tell you what I did like was the opening paragraph. And what, gonna... the bit that says it's always your fault? Yes. And I'm going to read it for our listeners and viewers. In the spirit of supporting you unconditionally, I'm going to deliver a tough message. If you're a manager, when you feel angry, impatient, frustrated, and disappointed with your employees and their performance, don't blame them. It's always your fault. I'm sorry if it stings a little, but you know it's true. Avalanches roll downhill. How can you expect your people to be 100% accountable? And I thought, bang on. Mm-hmm. Bang I agree. On. And so, and, and that I, it, you know, if there's plenty of sales leaders I've met in my career and worked with them and worked with as a recruiter and worked with as a colleague, worked with as a leader, where I look at it and think, if there was one lesson you were to learn. Mm-hmm. I you, agree. It's, your, it's you taking that ownership. Um, and then coach and be happy. And, and, and like you said, I think there's a bit of a repetition. Well, resign as chief problem solver. Discussed it. We've, right, we've already talked about resigning as chief problem solver. Um, yeah, that's right. The bit that I wrote here that made me think a little bit was um, it's this approach as being chief problem solver, which he's talking about again, mm. where he says, rather than build a team of independent, accountable people, managers wind up develop- developing a team of people that are dependent on them because the underlying message managers are sending is, if you have a problem, come to me and I'll fix it. For you. So don't worry about doing your job because I'm around to help. And yes, I'll do all your thinking for you. Mm. And I did, and I wrote next to this, been there. Yeah, I mean, it's 100% right, the guy. Yeah. There's, there's no yeah. point sort of criticising him. And then the next question he says down here that I thought was interesting, why does the manager feel they Oh, I underlined that. What did you put? I, think, I, I think just it, wrote the word ego. Ah, funny notes. <laughs> I wrote ego, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, why do I, people Two things, do actually, I think. A, ego, and B, they know they'll get the result. Ego and fear, both of which boil down to ego in the end. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of it, isn't there, where if you know you can get a result, you think... I'm going to get the result. And, and and I think that out there in the field with a manager managing a team of salespeople, the managers are under a lot of pressure to get the numbers over the line. Yes. Now, Keith, it's all right. In the Keith, real world. In the real world. It's all right because Keith works in this, this, this beautifully perfect society where everybody's so far ahead of target. He can just leave his managers to train. Oh, if they don't, don't worry. If they don't get it right, it doesn't matter because they'll get it right next time. But that's not where everybody really lives, is it? A lot of the sales managers live under a lot more pressure than that, I think. Yes. And in our universe in particular. Yes. Well, in all universes. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean, think I mean, how competitive is it going to be selling, you, you know, working for Rent-A-Kill today? I mean, fairly yes. competitive, I reckon. Absolutely. And fairly pressured. Yes. But I think in our universe more so, because if you look at the salary levels of some of our well, they're paid to get results, aren't they? They're paid to pull off miracles. I think there's a lot of price inflation in our market at the minute anyway, which will, which yeah, will get nailed I a think, little bit. Yeah, there's price inflation. I think there's some easy jobs out there. Of course there are. You know, how which hard, aren't how hard is it to be a sales leader at, I don't know, Box. SAP? Well, how hard is it at Box? So how, is it, how, how hard is it going to be at the next security thing that's flying? The next or shit hot security. Or the next, thing, you know, BI vendor. You really vendor, need to coach or, your people to perform. Um, I mean, so tip from the coach is let your people do their work. Let your people do their work. See principles one and two. I mean, he's absolutely right, but he does live in a really perfect world. Yeah, I like this sort of where he's he's done almost like a little juxtaposition between the manager's mindset and the coach's quiet internal reaction. What page are we on? We're on page 100. So the manager's mindset, giving the answer is giving value. If I don't, then what good am I to my team? Coach's quiet internal reaction. Great. 
I don't have to do the work or think for myself. My boss is going to do it for me. Do you really think they think great? Subconsciously, yeah. I don't. I think subconsciously sometimes people do. I think you teach Maybe it's down to individuals. the phraseology that a psychologist would use. Having done this myself and having been deeply bloody guilty of it in mm. the past, is teach learned helplessness. I can see that being the case. You develop learned helplessness in the individual because you coach them, they then cease to think, they get up in the morning, they know it's okay because Johnny will have an idea. Then I'll sit in a room and we'll all pontificate with each other. Johnny will come up with a solution and I'll write it down word for word. I'll go do it and then I'll take I think you're thinking about one, one particular individual, actually. Yes, but I think that happens a lot. Probably, possibly. I don't know. It's interesting because I was playing Lego with my two daughters this weekend. A nine-year-old, she doesn't want you to do the Lego. She wants to do it. My five-year-old, she, 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 she wants you to do the Lego and then play with the toy. And I just think that's individuals, though, isn't it? Yes, some people want to be coached. Some don't. Correct. Maybe Keith should have put a coaching measurement tool. Almost a matrix that yes. says, well, how do you know how coachable and how do you know how much coaching some people need? And mm. equally, should you really be hiring people that are coaching? Well, burdens? we said it all comes down to hiring, didn't we, yeah. further on in the book, Absolutely. Uh, earlier on. Absolutely. And then uh, uh, another line that I really loved here, tip from the coach. I shared my Bulletproof 60-second coaching strategy that refutes the myth that the vital lesson you hear is can't scale dependency. Yes, absolutely, great 100%. Line. Yeah, you can't scale dependency. Great absolutely line. right. You cannot scale dependency. Loved that. So, so what's your thought on scripts then? Are you creating dependency on a scripting system? You're not, because don't... Well, my point is, if, if something's... So some of these call centres, I think, are amazingly well-scripted. You know, you call the same ones I do as, as, as everybody else does. And actually, if you walk into a call centre, it's so well-scripted. I've got clients that sell call centre software yeah. that you, me, Lauren, could turn up this afternoon and do the job right off the bat. Yeah. So actually, the script creates... A dependency point. But you're paying peanuts with scripts. But that's fine. But the, my point so is the, cri the, the script creates a dependency point. And actually, the script is just repeatable IP. All you've got to do is publish it again. Yeah. So can't, you can scale dependency if you've got the underlying framework that allows you to deliver it. Okay. What? Dependency by design? Yes. The SaaS software market. The puppy dog sale. What's that? That's just dumbed down the thought process, doesn't it? To make the selling situation easier yeah, so the salespeople don't think you, as much. You know, you know my view on this. I, I believe that we're in an era of weak salesmanship. So this is my point. The is there's, there's a dependency the on the mechanism, isn't there? So yes. actually, is the IT industry scaling, creating scalable dependency? Because it's all right for Keith, but Keith's thinking about only hiring clever people. Well, he's thinking, he's only referring to jobs in which you would hire coachable salespeople or salespeople who would benefit from coaching. Mm. In a, what's actually happening is that one of the reasons that sales development representatives aren't wanting to do the work anymore is because people are trying to scale dependency. Correct. So in a lot of SDR jobs now, it's all about Marketo Pardot, mm, uh, that's my point. marketing automation, sales mm. automation, 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 scripting, 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 scripting. Crushing the life out of these kids Companies, uh, as I pointed out, companies have only got themselves to blame 
when they're paying over the odds for old knackered salesmen because they're because not they're no from... because they've not got a youth team. Yeah, correct. And they're not using the sale the SDR function development and coaching environment to use it to say, well actually we can use our SDRs. Higher twenty, we could put five on the road next year mm -hmm. and some mm -hmm. total saving of probably a quarter of a million dollars. I mean it doesn't year. help you and me, does it? But it's the right thing to do. Oh God, it'd be a disaster for us if companies wised up to that. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's like no, it's, it's nothing that I haven't told people in the past. Yeah. Sometimes a go client on. will say, "Mike, what's the best way of doing it?" And I say, "And I, I say, do that. Go out, hire five graduates, train the living shit out of them, and two of them will be in the field next year, and you'll save yourself a hundred thousand. They never do it. No. Anyway, so then he goes on to talk about uh, chief problem solver, doesn't he? And yeah. he talks about the difference between being chief problem solver versus chief coach. And, and what he's basically he's talking about. I wrote here, the whole thing about the difference between being a chief problem solver and a coach is it's a matter of being quite literally mindful and aware of your own internal... Yeah, that's it, yeah. I mean, this, the script he writes is beautiful, isn't it? The, yes, the, really um, nice, with, with Tomar and Chris. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really good example, but you're absolutely right. And, and there's a lot of scripting here, so... Um, well, there's five pages of it, yeah. and it's lovely. Yeah. It's like a film script. Uh, there's one point during the script I wrote, uh, as I was reading it, I found myself jumping into... To, uh, uh, Tomar. Why? I don't know. I wanted to nail him over something. <laughs> and I laughed to myself. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still chief problem solver um, in that particular instance. But we have got page upon page of scripts here that are worth reading. They're not worth reviewing. But they're not worth Mike and I sat here reading them to you. It's not Jack and Ori. Um, and he, he, he's, his whole point is he's saying, look, I've timed this whole scripting thing. What he wants to say is, it's worth investing three, five, or ten additional minutes in every conversation. Solve the situation completely, instead of having the same conversation. Do the math. Got an S I think you could do... Oh, it's a very American thing, isn't it? it? I, think quite, you could, yes. I think you could do a lot worse if you're a sales manager than just having it in your mind all the time. I'm Always a coach, you know? coaching. Yeah. Am I coaching now, or am and I this is this is sort of my slight issue with the book. It's that trailing off a little bit, I thought. Yeah, so that takes us pretty much to chapter seven. And the, end, and the end of another week of book club in, uh, and that leaves us two more episodes of review away from the Q&A session with Keith right so we need to crack on I mean I've actually so, read seven and eight yeah as well. so we'll do the next basically half of the book over the next two sessions um, what I would like to say is I'd like to hear from everybody at home listening reading you've got questions fire them into us if you want to turn up on the show, you want to be a guest, you want to join the debate, let us know. Yeah. Anybody can come. We've got an office here. We've got tea. We've got coffee. We've got protein bars. We've got protein shakes. We've got all sorts of stuff. So if you want to come down, be on the show, join us whilst we're reading the book, feel free. Um, but most importantly, we do have Keith Rosen on the show in a, not this week, not next week, but the week after. It will be a full Q&A session with Keith via video link. Um, it's going to be like Sports Personality of the Year when I say that. Um, but it be, will be with Keith. It's going to be really interesting having one of the authors. It's the first of several authors that we've got on the show now. We, I think we're pretty much full up for most of 2019 with each book. That's cool. Now and, and authors, yeah. So um, pretty exciting times. So if you've got questions, do send them. Uh, and we will endeavour I, I do to think, ask Keith when he's on the show. You, you know, I, I know I'm a bit sort of critical of a lot of these books, and I've been a bit critical of Keith today. Let's be clear, if somebody said to me, should I buy this book? The answer would be a definite a yes. definite yes for me as well. Absolute definite well, yes. Well, you know, I've opened, the I've opened the show today by saying I I I'm implementing some of the things I've learned. To be fair, 
I've, one of the things I'm really enjoying about doing this show is, you know, Deb Blount, he's got me thinking about objection handling. Mm. Sandler got me thinking about I've got to say, not handling. many of them have got me thinking about stuff, actually, more than this. This has got me thinking probably more than most. Yeah, yeah. I would say Sandler got me thinking more about objection handling than Jeb Blount did. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I, um, you know, the, the other one that's been a good one uh, has been Drucker. Oh, really? That seeped into your consciousness, has it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Which yeah. bits? Uh, hiring people to do individual jobs and not worrying about their other bits. Hiring the right man for the... The right man. We've got more female employees than we have men. Yes, we do. Actually. Yes. But yes, we're just hiring people to do that thing. And I've been talking to my clients about it. You know, some of my clients have been saying, oh, I don't like people with dodgy track records, Mike. Why? Well, has he got the skills to do the job? Yeah. You yeah. know, Drucker taught an 18-year sales recruiter of something about a sales recruit, and I thought, right, fair the, enough. Uh, but that's a big thing for me. Uh, so that's another episode of Book Club, I believe. 27 down, recorded, in the bag. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Bye-bye.